welcome to Brews with Andrews, the Lancelot Andrews podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening as we discuss one of his works as well as what he has to say with the challenges facing our churches today in this world that seems to get darker and darker and more and more insane by the minute. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's dive in. I'm Father Michael. And I'm Father Alan. And this is Brews with Andrews. We enter into part three of Lancelot Andrews' Lord's Prayer. And yes, there will be a part four. <laughs> will be a part four. And because these three sermons are quite the doozy, we come prepared with we our have, brews. We have headaches. <laughs> headaches. Um, today I will be enjoying an Abita Andy Gator. And I'm drinking a Fuller's Vintage Ale, which is supposed to be like uh, my Guinness. So. so here's to part three of the Lord's Prayer. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. Let's have at it. Uh, all right. We dive in here. We, we start off, again, reminding that this is a 13-sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And it's not hard to understand how we got to 13 because in one of these sermons, he does word for word for word of the verse or phrase. Syllable by syllable by syllable. So we are milking out the Lord's Prayer, trying um, to do what Andrews does best, and that is teaches us to actually pay attention to those often overlooked and unconsidered realities contained in this intentional wording of this week, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and as we forgive them that trespass against us. So with that, we've got 19 pages of <laughs> 19 pages of sermon, and I did my best to get it down to this a four-page outline. This one was a challenge. I think probably as much as any of his sermons that we've done so far. He knew what he was talking about. I just don't know if he was able to get it across in the sermon. It's a, it's a little bit difficult to understand, but we won't start to plow into it. It's not difficult. It was taxing, should we say. <laughs> so we did it. Our first, the first sermon that we, we seek to hear Andrew's out on is the Give Us This Day, Our Daily Bread. And this is, he spends a couple opening paragraphs to show how we're transitioning. This is the last of kind of three central petitions. So we've talked about our, we've made our petitions to God that related to eternity. So his kingdom and our glorification He's made his petition for spiritual blessing or for grace to do his will. And now we move to the natural temporal petition for our necessities to live and to be able to serve God. You caught that, right? Yes. And uh, he sort of starts it off on a few. This is uh, nature's prayer. He says, the ravens of the air call upon God that he would feed them, the lions beneath, roaring for their prey, to seek their meat at God. And therefore, no marvel that we, inasmuch as we are creatures, do seek to God, who is the God of nature, to supply the defects of nature that we find in ourselves as other creatures. And yet there is a difference betwixt us and them, for they call upon God only for corporal food, that their bellies may be filled. But the prayer which we make for our outward things is not without respect to things spiritual. And, and he goes on a little bit further and he says, So that the one of the outward things doth distract our minds and make us unfit for God's service. Yeah, and that's ultimately where we go through it's It's really about us being able to serve God as we were created. And we are, of our substance, we are both physical and spiritual, body and soul. And he's using this dynamic back and forth throughout the sermon. And and part of having being in service to the Lord, to be fit for service to the Lord, is we actually have to live our lives in accordance to the way our Lord taught. And that's Andrew's kind of opening point. A disciple of Christ has to obey the Lord's teachings, which means... We have to seek first the kingdom. We have to seek second doing God's will. 
And then do we actually come to him with our physical needs? And now you basically lay that right down. Uh, he hath taught us first to pray for his kingdom and then for working of righteousness and then finally for the doing of God's will and lastly for uh, the daily bread. So he goes back and reinforces well, he's trying to, I think, bring us really to a fuller understanding of who we are. Um, yes, we are animals and creatures, but we are the crown of all animals and creatures mm-hmm. because we've been invested with the spiritual nature, and both physical and spiritual natures have needs, and that's what we turn to now. Because after we've put God's kingdom first and put his wishes and will first, then we actually know better and rightly what we need and why we need it. Right. And so that's where we get into all six words of the verse. Um, but before Firstly, you... secondly, thirdly, <laughs> fourthly, fifthly, and sixthly. <laughs> yeah, that's... So it gets a little weighty, but the, like the big picture of it is where after he's described how we're moving into the throne room of God and asking for our needs. He does make a few observations beforehand to say that there's a something very necessary about asking God to give us what we need. And he'll say that the benefits of asking God to give or seeking God's giving is that it makes us confess that we are indeed in want. In need. Like we are, we are dependent creatures. So just the intentional phrasing of... This phrase, give us this day our daily bread, it's reminding us that we are not autonomous beings, but are dependent. Right. And then on the, on the other side of it is it's also going to protect us from becoming workaholic. You know, we can get it wrapped up in our minds what we need. And next thing you know, because we've been pursuing what we think we need we destroy everything around us. We lose our families. We lose our children, all because we got so wrapped up in making sure we had what was necessary to get what we need. And he's and he puts us to say, look, if you're praying this prayer rightly, you're trusting God to give you what you need as long as you're doing your part. Yeah, I was looking. He had something uh, that he wrote was, uh, so you need this because if not... Uh, you will get up early, you'll go to bed late, and still not get it. Have <laughs> nothing. So yeah. being a workaholic, like you said. Hey, if, if we're, if we're uh, truly looking to God to give us our daily bread, it's going to allow us just to keep things balanced in our lives. If we're, if we're showing up to work, we're doing our diligence, using what he's given us to work, and that's, he'll get into that, um, then we can trust him to provide for us. And then third, we we look for his blessing for our work, allowing us contentment, which is protecting us from idolatry. And again, it's God who gives us our needs. We're simply working and keeping his creation under him. We're keeping that relationship alive. So it's not just about, not only does it protect us from becoming workaholics and getting so focused on making sure we get what we need, that it also protects us from making us start thinking that our work is who we are. And... uh... That just goes back to our relationship with Christ, uh, with God. Uh, that all this other stuff, getting up early and going to bed late, uh, that's not the most important. The most important uh, is your relationship with God. And uh, so he goes into this with this petition. Uh, and as you said, he gets into the six different... Uh, yeah. Andrews loves to... Everything's one, two, three. One, two, three. (laughs) He does break down before we get to the real bread. He does talk about what God gives. And there's three things that God gives to believers and unbelievers alike. And there's this one type of bread that he gives only to the believers. So to believers and unbelievers, the bread God gives can be found in his blessing the earth with fruitfulness, blessing humanity with the ability to work, and then blessing humanity that with food that will nourish and strengthen their bodies. Like those are that's shared by all, but there's a fourth type which is which which he uniquely gives a sanctified bread to believers for them to serve him with both their bodies and soul. Yeah, and that uh, actually sort of fits in with the uh, 
the annual phase when we pray for the, the what is it, the rogation days when we're praying for the crops and for the blessings of yeah. the crops. Uh, so he can provide us with the things that are part of nature's so we'll be strengthened that we can do the spiritual part. Well, and even in the 39 articles, there's this reality that for the unbeliever who does, you know, get past our radar and has communion, um, they're just getting they're just getting bread and wine. They don't have the sacrament given to them right. because their spiritual receptors, for lack of better words, isn't awakened to receive it. Yeah. And so he has that category. And that's and then he dives into the words of this. The first the first one is, of course, bread. And bread is symbolic of many things. Bread includes all physical necessities needed for bodily health, peace, comfort, and contentment, as well as our spiritual necessities needed for the soul, which is, he will talk about the nourishing force of God's Word, and of course, the spiritual food offered by our Savior. Um, Whoever comes to me will never thirst or hunger again. So every time the disciple prays for, you know, for this bread, we're asking for physical and spiritual gifts to allow us and equip us to seek the kingdom, to do the will in body and soul. All good things come from God. Yeah. Uh, And uh, uh, it's not only the blessing of spiritual, but also the benefits temporal. Uh, It gives us not only the grace to obey his will, but as a prophet speaketh, he giveth giveth us meat as well. And uh, so it's our total dependence, whether it's uh, nature or if it's spiritual, all those good things do come from God. And uh, uh, he's got one thing in here. It is I that giveth her corn, the earth, and it's my wine and my flax and my oil. He ministereth seed to the sower and good bread for food. And so he's providing all these things so that we uh, can have the strength and spiritually the will to, uh, to do what we need to do. So when we say bread, we really do mean physical bread as well as spiritual bread. And then he says, he goes, now let's, let's look at what it means to say our bread. And it's, it's, a, there's, it's nuanced here, because usually when he's talking about our, he's talking about the collective and whole body of Christ, the church. Two or three gathered together in Christ's name, that's our. But here he actually starts talking about as in, we are asking for what is rightfully ours as children of God. And it was an angle I wasn't, I didn't really think of. And when the Lord teaches us to pray, so when we ask for our bread, we mean that which is rightfully, uh, what rightfully belongs to us of, as God's children. Part of creation. Was beyond creation. It's like, so give us the bread that is ours because we are members of Christ. Like, don't give us, we don't want the bread the world has. Right. We, we want more than just the blessing of our crops. We want more than just the blessing of our work. We want the bread that is ours by adoption. Yeah, and I have to tell you, it, uh, uh, <clears throat> of course, Andrews is one of the reasons I'm in the ministry. And, uh, uh, but with this, uh, uh, he spent more time than I thought he would on the, the natural nature part. Uh, I thought he would spend more on the spiritual. And so I was a little bit taken back, but it, it all does flow together. You can't have one without the other. And uh, yeah, and that's why the church does pray for the crops and all that. And we, rain. Well, and it's the, the spiritual comes in, um, and you see it here by yeah. where he takes it. Like, honestly, I expected Andrews just to spend 20 pages on the sacraments. Right. Um, <laughs> that's what I was saying. Um, and so... But here, this is where he puts the spiritual nature. He's like, no, so when you say our bread, that includes sacraments because as adopted children of God, this is rightfully yours now. Right. And so we pray to receive our necessities that are ours by right of faithfully laboring for them. So when we come and we ask for our bread 
from our Father. We're asking for, you know, so we don't get taken advantage of, for one thing. Because, because we have faithfully labored. We, are, we see ourselves as God's children, and we're working and keeping creation, trying to make this a better place. Therefore, we say, our bread, give us what we, we've earned to a degree. Don't let us be taken advantage of. Let us get our fair share, um, as well as to receive the necessities that are blessed by God. Um, and this is what I liked about it, because he... This sermon was actually loaded with scriptures. I think he, he, if bread got mentioned somewhere in the Bible, he has worked it into this sermon. Without Google. Without Google. <laughs> and so he's, we're asking, we're not asking for the bread of violence, deceit, or demons, but the bread of God. All right. and, and we're not asking for bread that's only good for this life, but which conveys holiness for both lives. Yeah, and he, uh, he writes, it's a little bit long, but I'm going to read it. I think it's all worth it. Uh, first, talking of our want, for if we had it ourselves, we would not crave it of God. This confession of our want and the indigence is a great glory to God that all the inhabitants of the earth say, I am poor and needy, but the Lord careth for me. They do profess themselves to be his beggars, not only by voice of nature, which they utter for outward things, as other unreasonable creatures would do, but by those prayers which they make for the supply of grace, whereby they may be enabled to do God's will, so that not only thy kingdom is God's gift, but our bread we acknowledge also to be a gift he is the author not only of blessings spiritual, but of benefits temporal. He gives us not only grace to obey his will, but as a prophet speaketh, that he giveth us the need as well. So, uh, once again, it's tying it all together. Well, and, uh, I think that's probably what I had as much problem going through this over and over with. Yeah, he goes... From showing us, we're actually asking for everything we need. Temporal, eternal, spiritual, mm -hmm. physical. And we're asking for it as the children of God who have been redeemed and sanctified in a process of glorification. Therefore, we're asking for this, the spiritual food as much as the physical. And then we do this, as the next phrase he takes us to, part of the phrase he takes us to is daily. We are asking for our daily care. We're asking that we're asking for everything that's necessary for our substance, as we've said, body and soul, supernatural substance, as much as our natural substance. And this is where he does do a little bit of the language with the epiousia, because you know, like the word daily, is it still floors people um, with what the heck are you talking about. Right. And Why what, do you say day, daily? Why do you do that twice? Well, it's just a, it was an early translation. And then, because we've discovered it's, it's really just a super substantial, special food. And he just says that, I mean, there are volumes written on this one word, <laughs> um, epiousia, bread. And he just says, let's just roll with it. It, it is our daily care, and we're also asking for the supernatural assistance and substance be given as much as the natural. And then on a daily level, because we're connecting with God on a daily level, we're asking for what satisfies hunger, not necessarily what satisfies our craving. He starts, he's going to, we're not, because we don't want to become gluttons. We don't want to make the mistake of Israel, like in Deuteronomy, when they're about to go, go into the land and it says, look, you're about to go into this land you're going to find an abundance of food. You better not forget me. Right. And so as soon as our bellies are full, we have a way of forgetting God. And so he talks about by putting this on a daily level, it's making us put ourselves in, the, in a wilderness setting. We're looking for our daily manna, our physical and spiritual strength from God. Um, and we, we want our necessities to be met, not our wantonness or our needs to be met not our wants you know and he speaks of you know it is the children's bread speaking of the spiritual bread and uh, you know it goes back with St. John when he talks about uh, 
you know, the, the bread for the children when the crumbs fall for the table and all. Uh, but it's it's there's a difference between his children, although he's going to feed us and those who are not his children with the nature stuff, the nature side. It's when you get to the spiritual realm uh, that is uh, the children is the bread for his children. Well, and that's yeah, and he brings that up next point with when you look at we're asking for God to give us. We understand God's nature. And he'll tell you, God cares for all creatures, but he, he like the ravens and the lions and everybody else. But God cares especially for man because he's the crown of creation. But not just that, God cares even more especially for redeemed man. So we ask this as truly the apple of his eye. But then I like that he puts this limitation, and that's his phrase, on God's giving. When we ask for God to give it to us. God gives to us for the purpose of blessing others. He uses Solomon in a couple verses there about the, everybody being able to come to his people to get the blessing. Because we're not only to seek you know, our necessities be given, to remove our burdens, but to be able to alleviate the burdens of others by what we have received. There's a reason why we're taught to be given. Like, God doesn't put us, doesn't give us what we need just so he can show off. Um, He does it so that the world around it can find what it actually needs. I mean, again, this was kind of in the last sermon of how the sacrament of God's people, um, of helping, like, in feeding the world. To sustain his creation. Like, as soon as we start squandering the blessing, our daily gifts, um, if we're holding on to it for our own sakes, it's going to get spoiled like the manna in the wilderness. And so he says the purpose of God giving this and, and the purpose of Jesus teaching us to seek this blessing is so that it can flow into us and through us to the world around us. And then finally, as he wraps this sermon up, he talks about this. We're asking for this day's bread. We are seeking our present need not any future needs, we might think. It's a daily need. It's a, a day doesn't go by that we don't have that need. Well, and Jesus is teaching us to walk closer to him in the present. And this does not mean we can be careless about our future. He'll tell you we need to learn the lesson from the ants, I think. Um, but we, we are seeking this daily needs. And he's yeah. sort of, we're getting near the end here, he says... But there is a spiritual food, both for body and soul, that which our Savior promiseth. He that cometh to me shall not hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. That is the hidden manna that God hath promised for us in heaven, whereof it was said, Blessed is he that eateth the bread of the kingdom of God. Thus, by how much the leanness of the soul is worse than the bodily famine. So much more earnestly are we to pray for the spiritual food than the food of the body. So even near the end, though, he does put the importance on the spiritual. Yeah. Uh, when I finally got to that part, I took a deep breath and said, all right. <laughs> yeah. And he, he closes out this sermon kind of abruptly with, an objection where some would say that um, how a man having filled his belly or being ready to leave this world may say this prayer. Like, if you actually have what you need right now, how can you earnestly pray this prayer? And he'll go on to say that if we have enough today, Our desire is that as we have enough now, so we may be preserved in this state and that God would not change our plenty into poverty. So even on the, still taking on the physical level, just realizing that give us this day our daily bread is also a prayer that let's keep it in this area. Um, Yeah, and it, uh, uh, it brings something that I've harped on the last few weeks about being in Christ, you get it daily so that it can refresh you, that it can re-energize you, that it can re-strengthen you. 
Because daily you're going to run into obstacles that are going to try to pull you away from that. Where the natural world is going to try to attack the spiritual world. And so by this receiving of this often, uh, it does replenish our souls and uh, our spirits. Well, and it's funny that you say obstacles. It's almost like you actually absorbed all these sermons. Um, Because that's where the next sermon takes us. Mm -hmm is we're, we're going to start dealing with the obstacles that are going to seek to work against us, being able to seek the kingdom, do the will, and find daily provision. And so that's what, as we move into the second sermon we'll discuss today, and forgive us our debts, he will explain to us the dual nature of prayer and really grace in general, it's not a, there's a dual nature to both prayer and grace in that it is to, we ask to receive that which is good, but simultaneously we're also asking to remove that which is evil, that which is going to be a opposition to that first petition. Right. And so as we have asked for the glory for the kingdom to come, we're going to ask for the removal of the obstacle of sin. As we have asked for the grace for God's will to be done, We're going to pray for the removal of temptation. And as we have prayed for the provision of our daily necessities, we're going to ask for the removal of our daily evils. And so that's facing down where our Lord's Prayer, there's kind of a hinge here, where we go, we've asked for to be given what is good, now we're asking that he'll take away what is bad. And so that first thing we're asking to to have taken away is our debts or sins, because sin, this first, our debts to God and neighbor, creates a partition partition between us and God and prevents the three earlier petitions to be realized. It prevents entrance into the kingdom of heaven, it prevents us from doing any good thing, and it separates us from God, so how do you know if he's actually giving us anything? Yeah, and I, I like the way he sort of, at the beginning... He talks about we pray against the guilt of sins past, that God would not suffer us to sin hereafter. And then the third, that God would turn away from us all those plagues, that disease we call sin, I'm adding, that our sins deserve both in this life and in the life to come, that these petitions uh, fitly oppose the, the former sins. And so he's praying against past sins, but also against the, uh, the habits, I guess you could say, that those past sins have created in us that would lead us down that yeah. road once again. Well, and I think this is, this is helpful material here because we've come through a generation of Christianity which has boiled the gospel down to those classic four points of God loves you, but you're a sinner. But he sent Jesus to die for your sins, and therefore, if you pray this prayer, you can go to heaven. Like, we kind of have to scrape that off the table and get a more robust message of Scripture. And so this is a good place to start to see who we are as God's children. We are sinners. We are debtors. But the goodness of God behind this. We don't pray this prayer to go to heaven. We pray this prayer to really experience the heavenly life now as we draw closer to God. Because, he writes, our sins do make a partition between God and us. And it's and that's something that I don't know if we reflect upon when we're, we're sinning, we're breaking our covenant with God, it's putting up a barrier between us, and as we repeat them over and over again, that barrier gets more and more difficult to... To, to overcome. Well, and it's. And, you, but there is a separation. A, there is a real. There right? is a real separation, but it's not a real big problem. It like really from from God's perspective, it's just he can handle it. Like this is one of the the beauties of it is, you know, if you turn off the talking heads and pulpits of the last sixty years and say we just we just go through the Psalms. You realize that sin is devastating, and it will it will doom you to death if not dealt with. But there's a cure. I mean, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. The psalmist would say, like, right. 
all it takes is us to turn to our Heavenly Father. Even in this petition that Jesus is teaching us to pray, he's teaching us to pray, forgive us our debt, showing us, remember, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is how the Father deals with sin. Like, just ask. Not, you know, this is, just yeah. just admit you did wrong. It's, uh, if you've had kids, you've had this conversation. It's like I said, God knows. He can handle this. Yeah, it's just, God desires to pardon the sins of man. Right. Like, this is, we have this image sometimes of, of, the, of God, like, you know, keeping people chained up in hell because of this. Right. Like, you know, they're, they're climbing out, and he's, like, stomping on their fingers saying, no, you're, you're, you're meant for hell. And, it's, and that's sort of <laughs> going to lead to where our sermon's going to be oh, well, about yeah. uh, uh, having living in that fear of God instead of living in that joy of God. Well, and, and we have, he, and he takes it right into the spiritual realm, and it's like, yeah. look... God actually desires to forgive man. The angels that no, said, I was say, here come the angels. The, the angels are ticked off again. The, the <laughs> angels are screwed. The, the angels that rebelled, there's nothing. But to man, like God really does seek the best for his children and seeing them raised up. Yeah, he, he writes, uh, He keepeth the angels that sin in everlasting chains to the judgment of of the great today, he that is the God of God of the Spirit of all flesh will not hear the spirits that sin against him, but thou hearest the prayers uh, to thee shall all flesh come. And so once again, we've seen this in other sermons where uh, his opinion of mankind. Uh, even the angels sang at the birth of Christ. It, uh, and so they're sort of, it's sort of an order that he puts up. And uh, uh, I won't go into that. But there's, there's, uh, that's very serious when we think about it, that how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, that he will do things for you that he did not even do for the angels or does not do for the angels. And you find yourself being like St. Paul, just if God be for us, who can be against yes, us? Like I this, mean, like, I'll take you that. Um, yeah, yet sins are real, and it does put us in a damned position, and it has to be dealt with. And the sins that he'll explain to us, you have the classic two, Sins of commission and sins of omission, you know, committing the wrong actions and then omit not doing the right actions. But in between those, as we prayed in the first prayer about our daily bread, there's also this the sins of kind of squandering God's blessing, where it does make us indebted. So we've we've prayed for God to give us our daily bread, and He has blessed blessed us, especially in our land here in the United States and with our careers and jobs, and we just kind of use it to take care of ourselves. And so we're debtors to God because we haven't actually used his blessings to bless others. And so all of this is things that makes us indebted to God and even to our neighbor. I was going to say just that, indebted to God. Uh, He writes, And graces that God bestows upon us must be employed in hallowing his name. We're going back to the early part and enlarging his kingdom, taking God out into the world with you today, an accomplishment of his will, thy will be done, not ours. Uh, If we fulfill this, the penalty of the law takes no hold on us. But if we do not only use them to his glory, but abase them, and turn them to a breach of the law by serving sins, then are we in a double sort of indebtedness to God. And so, you know, we're indebted to him that he gives them to us, and we're especially indebted to him when we fail. And uh, so it is a double indebtedness that we have to God. Yeah, and I think, when he'll get into it, we also have an indebtedness to our neighbor, because yes, throughout he this, he'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, but before you get to, that'll be in the, the next sermon. Um, he does the whole again. I told you, if the word hour is anywhere attached to a petition, he's going to make a comment about it. And so it's not just the sins we've committed 
or the sins we've done by omitting certain actions or by squandering God's blessings. Here he would say there's a significance that when we say, forgive us our debts, he's showing us that it's our duty, our responsibility as disciples to desire the forgiveness of others as much as ourselves. This is an angle, again, I, I've glanced over and probably definitely been guilty of breaking. And, and he goes into that, he, he says, we are debtors to the flesh. We must be careful of others as well. As God said to Cain, where is thy brother? But because all seek their own and seek not the good of others, therefore they grow further indebted to God. And these debts or sins are properly said to be ours because they proceed from us. Well, yeah, and it's, he shows how true believers, disciples who are trying to learn from Jesus how to pray and what to seek and how to live, ought to be characterized by a compassion for others to be forgiven more than a desire to have them condemned. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the areas that I've definitely been guilty of because it's easy. We can, we can preach damnation like a pro, like a champ in the church. I mean, and... We, Brother, you don't have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> and so to a degree, like, I mean, just some of the conversations I've had over the past week, um, we've had some families in the neighborhood who have children and relations that... What do I say? Are quite sexually perverted in the way they would, where they like to find love. Mm-hmm. We're all it's like the old was it country song? We're looking for love in all, all the wrong, wrong places. places. And like, and trying to get the people I've talked to to calm down a little bit because they're ready to really damn and condemn these family members who have different sexual persuasions presently. And one of the things that Andrews is trying to show us is, well, if, if they are baptized believers in the faith, we are actually seeking their forgiveness at this point. We're, we're bringing them before the Lord, saying, Lord, forgive them. Like, they're, they're as screwed up as I am. And we all, as Patricia Outlaw taught me to say, you know, you got issues, I got issues, all God's children got issues. Lord, forgive all our issues. And, like, developing a spirit of compassion yeah, and uh, he sort of brings up baptism a couple times in this. And uh, in the word debts, three things are to be noted. First, where Christ teacheth his apostles that were baptized and most perfect Christians that ever were, I'm not sure about that, to pray for the remission of sins, it should work in our nature a humiliation. For they, in making this prayer, acknowledge themselves sinners. Much more ought we should do. And the apostle Peter confesseth of himself, I am a sinful man. And he goes on through, I'm the chief sinner and with James and down through John. Uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive it ourselves, man. Yes. <laughs> and that's just one of the things is Jesus is... He just tells you, and and giving us this petition, forgive us our debt. We are all debtors to God. Like and they and debtors. It doesn't. To like it doesn't matter what you did. You did it. You're a debtor, and it means you're all in debt. Like so, and humiliation. He repeats that word a couple times. Yeah. Just just be humble, man. The apostles were debtors, and we're not only debtors. We are daily debtors. Hence, we're learning to pray. Not only are we coming to God for our daily bread, we're coming to God for our daily forgiveness. And it's our debts require God's mercy, not patience. I like that one. Um, like, you just realize yourself. You're coming and saying, just forgive us our debts. We're not asking, hey, give us a little bit more time to make it up. We're, we are in over our heads. That, uh, and that humiliation uh, he writes of, and I'm going to add something to it, uh, uh, the consideration whereof ought to work in us humiliation. First, that as Job said, our hearts do not excuse us, and that we seek not to justify ourselves, that as God requireth, 
we confess our misdeeds, that we acknowledge our sins to God and hide them not. For if we confess not our sins, God, for if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive our sins. And that's one of the, the things when we start off every mass service in England Church. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we perfectly love thee and worthy magnify thy holy name through Christ. So that humility is so strong in the Anglican faith, uh, our being on our knees before God, uh, when he speaks of, when we speak in the creed of God coming down from heaven, uh, our humiliation and our debt to him when we kneel. And um, so he really hits home on that. And that's something that's still very prevalent. Uh, yeah, and he doesn't beat us over the head with it. If you read the sermons, right. which will have length, it's just he when Jesus teaches us to pray this, it should you should it should open our eyes that oh we have something to confess. We don't have to. We're not going to justify ourselves. Um, and it's, and then not only just to confess it, but to feel sorry over it. It's like you know with the boys, you know, and it's just like, did you apologize to your brother? No. Okay. Can you tell your brother you're sorry? No. Well, you're going to start losing stuff if you don't. Okay. Sorry. Did you mean it? No. no. <laughs> Like, so and it's us, and that's the the simplicity of our Lord's prayer is teaching us to have that type of spirit. Just feel sorry, realize that what you did was wrong, and it is damnable, um, although it's not unforgivable. So seek forgiveness, um, and and that's one of the things that there's some serious comforts for the believer to take away from this petition. Andrews would say is that we learn that sins are forgivable, like. The Lord wouldn't tell us to ask for the forgiveness of our sins and debts to God if they weren't forgivable. And, and the good news of this is that we might lose our affection as sons, but God will never lose his fatherly heart. His perfection as father. Yeah, like this is, we learn that God is actually ready to forgive on a daily basis. And he also hits on something that I've always thought is so true is that, uh, that our misery may prevail more with God to move him to compassion than our unworthiness. So I believe when we go to God uh, in misery, that he hears those prayers more than we do when we go to God on everything is great and wonderful. And <laughs> he hears the cries of his people. And he sort of speaks of that in here, which is good. And it's just father and sons. Like, you know, and when I'm getting on to Noah or Lucas, I just like, I want them to recognize that what they did was wrong. And I want them to feel some sense of remorse for having done it once they realize the, what it has caused. The worst day ever was one of those days when Noah was on steroids because of his asthma and breathing problems at one point, And I was, I was getting on, he was being terrible. I mean, he was on roid rage. Just enjoy, yeah. <laughs> Just enjoy that. I was like, fine. And so I, I disciplined him, and he goes, that's all you got? I was like, boy, you go to your room now, or you should be alive. <laughs> like, it's really just, like, when there's no sign of remorse. And I, I guess that's the scariest thing, that when you see individuals who have become kind of repeat murderers even, and there's no remorse for it. It's like, really, all we're looking for is remorse to see that you're... But if there's no sign of remorse, then you really are getting that closed in on yourself, away from God and neighbor. And that's why this prayer is so important. He, and he says there at the end, the law of prayer establishes both the law of obeying and believing. Yeah, and, and uh, this, is, this is really the hinge of conversion of everything to the Christian faith because this is where he will explain that I mean what we're learning to pray here is the essence of all of our faith of all of our beliefs because if we're asking God to forgive us our debts that means someone's actually got the resources to fill in the deficit and that's where he brings in Christ that he satisfied the debt we never could have worked off for his own sake, Christ hath made himself a satisfaction. Yeah, it's, I mean, for the it's, sins of the whole world. 
he uses the image of that out of Second Kings, where the the prophet comes to the widow, and she's indebted from her previous husband, and so he, you know, he blesses the oil, and so he gets enough oil to pay off her debts and then make a livelihood. And he goes, that's what Christ has done for us, and that's the at the heart of this prayer. And he shows us there's a duty to that, that we have to pray this prayer. We have to ask for forgiveness in order to apply Christ's satisfaction to our lives. And then at the same time, the other duty that relates to this is that we have to strive to be among the number of those who can say our debt. Again, we're talking about an inner circle of God's children and outside of the whole cosmos. We're not talking about a generic God loves you. We're talking about true body of Christ belonging, where you get the fullness of God's love experienced and known. And that's where he concludes and gets ready for the doozy here. The third sermon of, so it's not just forgive us our debts, but we move into, as we forgive them that trespass against us. This is um, one of those things. This is people read it and you're going, I don't know. (laughs) Because like if you were brought Uh, believing that all it takes is for you to ask God to forgive you of your sins to go to heaven, um, and you stop there, you might think you're okay, but Jesus doesn't let us stop there. Because there's 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 a clause attached to that forgiveness, and that is, you know, forgive us our debts. We are sinners to you. We confess that. And do it just the same way we forgive others. And then he brings a real world into it. He goes, we must not only not hate our brother without cause, but if he offend us, must likewise forgive him. Yeah, like, you know, again, that 60 years of the church teaching us to pray a prayer to go to heaven. Um, but all you got to do is confess your sins, confess the Lord Jesus to be saved, which is Romans, all of that. Um, but then at the same time, it's just like, where does that fit in to say, um, oh, you want to go to heaven? All you got to do is forgive everyone that, uh, that offends you. And you'll be, and you go, what? <laughs> Can't we just pray a prayer between me and Jesus? And he's like, no. Let's get this done. <laughs> this is the summary of the law. It's not just love of God, but it's a love of neighbor that's like unto it. And this is, brings us, he'll open the sermon up to show, this is the second of the two as phrases We've prayed uh, one pertaining to our duty to God in that as it is in heaven. Um, now we're going to talk about our, the, our duty pertaining to our neighbor as we forgive them. And that's the two phrases. And he'll take us in here and here's a note about what forgiveness truly is. If, if we desire to be forgiven, we mustn't only, as you said, not hate our brother, but must forgive that brother. Oh my goodness. And I've never caught the connection of Lamech and like the 70 times 7. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, the nature, like two personalities. Um, and so it's, this is the Christian faith. Again, because what Jesus is doing is restoring all things. And that involves our relationships to one another. All things. It's me. It's you. And the relationship we have in between us. Right. He writes here, Thus it pleased the wisdom of God in this petition to add this, not for our neighbor's sake only, nor for ourselves only, but also in regard of God God himself. Yep. It all goes together. It all fits together. And there's so much goodness in this phrase. Like, we have a pledge of our own forgiveness. If we forgive others. Now, if we are just bitter, sour puss, never forgiven anybody, there might be some issues that are going to have to be dealt with. But otherwise, if we're striving to forgive, become a kind of person that forgives. It's not easy. I mean, it's, uh, nowhere in it is, is any of this easy. Uh, but it's something we must strive for. And if we can't forgive at first, we must continue to strive to forgive and to forgive and uh, regardless of who is right and who is well, wrong. And with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. possible. Like, you know, that's where he's putting this. I mean, because to be saved means that you have had a supernatural birth, and there is nothing more supernatural than not only forgiving a person, but then showing kindness to that person. 
And there's the clear pledge. That person is saved because they can forgive. I mean, that's that's a fruit of the Spirit right there. And then he reminds us of the hammer <laughs> wherein he binds himself to forgive our sins upon this condition of not being able to forgive, that we forgive others. For if we forgive not others, listen to this, then his bond is void as appeareth by the parable when the Savior showeth that if we have forgiveness of God, we must forgive our brethren. But when I just saw that, his bond is void. I think we need to strive to forgive. <laughs> yeah, that's the... But that bond is still so much of the goodness, and he kind of makes it in these comments in passing of that, you know, God could have said, hey... You, you know you're my children if you keep the law. You know you're my children if you give away all your money. No, no, no. He says, you'll know you're my children when you forgive. Yeah. Like, like that's, it, it is so fitting and appropriate and so out of love that, so God, that God just says, look, all I'm asking you to do is forgive. And that's something everybody has. Right. Everybody has forgiveness to be given. Um, and that's and that how much more fair can you get? And I mean, this is out of the God's goodness that he agrees to this bond in this petition. and and by and when we say this petition, every time we pray it, we're binding ourselves to it to become a people that takes forgiveness seriously. And then he adds uh, emphasis to it that the debts that man owes to God are great sins. But the debts that man oweth to man are usually a scout of small value. Yeah, we we know, you know the, we, we know the parable. Yeah, yeah, we like to put you know our needs and our wants and our hurts as being the most supreme in the world. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when you look at their impact and their importance, normally it's uh, something very very small and. We've had those thoughts before, you know, why did I blow up like that? Why did I do this? Or why did I do that? And uh, it's not that important when you look at the overall heart of it. What's important is that we love God, everything we got, and our neighbor as ourself. Like Jesus really did mean, apparently, <laughs> this is the two, I need you to do two things, man. Love God and love your neighbor. Because that's that's what's being restored, our love for God and our love for our neighbor. And I liked this quote of, every man's a debtor. Check. We got that petition. And here we learn that every man has a debtor, someone who owes us something. Right. And so you can't just work on the relationship you have with God. You have to simultaneously be working with your neighbor because debts are going both ways. Our lives are one of total indebtedness to somebody. And you think, before you get too puffed up, and say, well, I don't owe any man anything. And he'll tell you, we're debtors to others when we do not give them the charity and justice they do, that's due to them, that they deserve. Like, that puts you in debt. So let's, let's just look at this. Yeah, and uh, I mean, over and over, he pounds us home in this sermon. What, what he is wanting us to be is more godly. Yeah. And uh, with God's forgiveness, he wants to show us that that is the righteousness, the godliness of God is the power to forgive and uh, to forgive and move on, to move forward. Yeah, that's exactly it, where he goes into, once we've accepted that we are debtors to God and we're beginning to see that we're actually debtors to all our brothers and sisters in the faith somehow and they're debtors to us, like once we just get that, we realize that we are in the perfect position to imitate God in this, and that yeah. this is why God gives us and gives every man and woman on the planet the power to forgive, because that's what He does. I mean, where forgiveness is whereby a person um, can, as this is kind of quote right here, it's whereby a person can be to another even in God's place. Yeah. Um, some of the well, think about that. They can see that godliness in you. You know, it's. After moments like 9-11, and especially after tragedies when people talk about, where is God? It, he's, it, there. he's there, and it's just, you realize that we haven't been showing him off very well. 
And so we just add that to where we should confess. And he'll tell us that Christ calls us to find true honor in being like and imitating God because God is slow to anger and long-suffering. There is no greater honor in kingdom economics than to give forgiveness to our brothers and sisters and to their offense and then to show them kindness. That's where honor is. Uh, and it will tell you that there's no greater shame than being like the weakest things that desire revenge. I think of the wasp. <laughs> you know, wasp wants revenge. <laughs> you go messing with it, and it's like, <laughs> so that's Suffer what that's what. Those are those words, the prone to mercy and slow to wrath and revenge. Uh, what an example. What an example this world needs right now. At, uh, with what all we're going through. And we need it for our comfort and for our joy and peace with God and our brother. Like the benefit of practicing forgiving others um, is that outwardly we have a covenant with God in which we can press for forgiveness. And he actually kind of uses that language. Mm-hmm. That is because the devil can whisper in our ears and make us think we're more damned than we really are. And so, whoa, whoa, you. and so he just tells you, look, if you actually start doubting your salvation, here's the loophole, man, for lack of better words. Just start forgiving everybody. And you can sell God right there. <laughs> like, you'll find the peace and joy and happiness of the Christian faith as you practice forgiveness. And that's, the, that's just the outward benefit. The inward benefit is that we have that convincing reassurance of our stance with God, like, and then, not only just to forgive them, uh, but to even offer kindness to them after all that. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, to show the love of Christ. And, okay, you're forgiven. But no, you're forgiven. Let's go have a beer together. Yeah, you know. What's the bumper sticker? And God we trust, all others pay cash. <laughs> um, like, you know, it's... We, we, we have a way of once someone has done us wrong to draw the line a little bit shorter. And he does talk about that. And he does teach us what we all know in our deepest hearts. And we try to make excuses for not doing it is that it's not just about forgiving. It's about forgetting. And he's honest. He's like the deceiver, Satan. Like that's, that's where he just makes camp and making sure we can't forget. Saint don't want you to forgive. And not the forget part. And so he says, you know, one of the main places we can be applying God's grace and strength is to make sure that we master all the corrupt desires for revenge that are either in word, deed, or even sight. Like he goes, and, and if you're seeking to master those feelings, even if it's through grit teeth that you're washing your brother or sister's feet, that's grace in action. And he says, you're, you're on the right path. And he'll tell you, just as prayer, previously, forgive us our debts, he'll say, just as we, as prayer is the means to apply Christ's satisfaction to our souls, so forgiving charity and forgiving mercy are the ways we apply God's forgiveness to our souls. So uh, we, we apply Christ's satisfaction and propitiation for our sins by prayer. We apply God's forgiveness to our souls by forgiving and there's nothing more fit um, than to receive God's to receive God's mercy than to be showing mercy. Andrews would say. Yeah, well, it's this this well, like so forth, walking the walk and just not talking it. Yeah, but, uh, and it's to apply these things into your lives. We apply it, and he concludes this sermon to say, "Look, maybe you think I'm making more out of this petition than what's there. May you might say." I'm making more out of this forgive us as we forgive others than's really there. But let's remember that as soon as Jesus finished giving us this prayer, he recaps this same point mm-hmm. and teaches us, no, no, if you don't forgive, the Father will not forgive you. Yeah. Like he, he recaps this message after the prayer. Uh, and so we think Jesus meant it. And when, when he starts repeating himself, you probably ought to listen. <laughs> And that's where you conclude this three-part series of daily bread, forgiving our debts, and us forgiving our debtors. So we hope you're enjoying this. And uh, I know it's three part. There's going to be a fourth part. Uh, but there's so much. And as we said when we started this, um, when the apostles asked Jesus, you know, 
teach us to pray. What do we pray? Uh, all of these words, every line in it, uh, they're not there by accident. Uh, no, and that's... There's so much scripture put into them and so much tradition and history of the Jewish people. And, well, uh, and, and it's so necessary for the age we live in because I know in the branches of Christianity that I grew up in, it was all about praying a prayer to go to heaven. And then when you actually start reading the Bible and you see what Jesus taught us to pray, he's teaching us to pray the complete opposite. We're not praying to go to heaven. We're praying for heaven to come to us. Right. And you're going, man, I think I was raised very bass awkwardly. <laughs> yeah, you may have things a little bit reversed. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so anyway, we, we hope you're enjoying this. Uh, anything else, Father? No, that's it. it. I'm, out, I'm out of brewski. Yeah, this was actually very good, too. I got to tell my... Son, I want a case of these. Gosh, ain't no telling what it is. Yeah, egg with one ball. Yeah. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Lord, we uh, give thee thanks for uh, giving us this time to dis- discuss the words of, of the Lord's Prayer and to uh, bring it to our hearts and to our minds and to our souls and into our lives, thy word uh, which thou, that, that thou hast given us uh, to bring us more into you so that we're not just of you that we will be in you totally and completely in our lives in thy name we do give thanks and we pray amen amen